Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. MSW Media. Hey everyone, it's AG from Muller She Wrote and The Daily Beans. And Steve Pearson from the How We Win podcast. We're bringing together some of our besties for a live super pod to raise money for the How We Win Fund and elect Democrats in November. Featuring us, of course. The hilarious Frangela duo. Ben and Brett Mazelis from the Midas Touch podcast. And the one and only Kathy Griffin. Join us on Monday, August 22nd at Largo in Los Angeles. Go to HowWeWinLive.com and get your tickets now. That's HowWeWinLive.com. This is Glenn Howerton. You are listening to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn, my good friend. Do you really? Am I really your friend? No. Okay. Damn it. Well, pour yourself a glass, sit for a spill. It's time to have some fun. Do a little thinking, some picking and a drinking. But this is what we're drinking with Dan Dunn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. All right. Why I'm laughing right now, folks. I'm sorry. Uh, I Welcome to the show, first off. And you heard Glenn Howerton there in the promo. Glenn's going to be joining me from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia in just a little bit, talk about his new whiskey called Four Walls. Why I'm hysterical laughing, and I was laughing much harder before I hit record, is because for the second time in a row, the person you're about to hear from and I were doing an interview, and about 15 minutes into the interview, I realized that I wasn't recording it. So today... Right before we started, I said to him, all right, well, I'm going to hit record this time. And my brain farted and I did not hit record. So we just spent a good 10 minutes spewing podcast magic that's just out there in the ether. You're never going to hear it. So evaporated. all we can do is try and replicate it right now. And I apologize to him. Uh, you know him as uh, uh, this podcast, what we're drinking with Dan Dunn's roving correspondent. He... Is he's the best at breaking down what's happening in this industry and why it matters to you. Please welcome back our, our dear friend, Brad Jaffe. Okay, for real this time. For real, Dan Dunn. I'm looking at it right now. It is recording. I, I swear to you. And by the way, this why you're on, Brad, is we have breaking news. Ah, oh, breaking news. That's right. I, I'm patched in right now live from Split in Croatia, okay, drinking Slivovica all day long, um, and you somehow, in the middle of the day, you're the person that seems like your uh, faculties are a little bit uh, dulled, let's say. It's the heat. It's very hot okay. here today at our studio, <laughs> our unair conditioned studio. Yeah, I mean, I, I, what, I, I slip up occasionally, but for some reason it always seems we to all, be when you're on. I just don't hit record. <laughs> and But you know what, man? I already think what we've got now just here in this two minutes is better ah. than that whole 15 minutes we just recorded. This is, this is juicy stuff. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's, you know, as, as we're saying, there is breaking news going on in the world of American whiskey specifically. Um, I'm sure you want to kind of touch on that and then let me uh, weigh in with, uh, with some of my hot takes. So basically what's happened is uh, a lot of these smaller craft distillers have been petitioning the Alcohol, Tobacco, Tax, and Trade Bureau. That's also known as the TTB. They regulate alcohol in this country, America. And uh, they just published a notice proposing to formalize the standards of identity 
for American single malt. They want to, as a distinctive product of the United States. And what that means is if this rule passes, which it's going to, it's going to create a category called American single malt, which will be on par with bourbon, single malt scotch, other types of whiskeys that are enshrined in TTB's standards of identity. Uh, And it also affords some legal protections. And I want to get into that with you. But first, Brad, how big is this news? Um, well, you know, let me just make sure that your listeners haven't nodded off, you know, because this is the type of news and the type of information that is certainly big news for us spirits geeks uh, to the general consumer or the casual drinker. Um, it's not earth shattering kind of stuff, but we definitely don't want to diminish the achievement here on behalf of some of our uh, fine friends in the distilling business here in America that have helped really push this thing through. They've been at it at least formally since 2016 with the establishment of the American Single Malt Whiskey Commission, which is put together with the express purpose of establishing these standards of identity. And um, so that went live, uh, this this kind of period of making suggestions that you can do and, and you should direct your your audience to this um, page that the, DT, that the TTB um, has set up until September 27th. If you have something that's really uh, biting at you in terms of, ah, I need American single malt to be this way or that way, it's open to comments right now. Now's your period to weigh in. What does it mean to a, these people out there that are making American single malt? Why does it matter that the government officially recognize it? What's the benefit? Well, it'll be protected now um, as we enter in or, you know, you know, with our preferred trading partners around the world, um, they will be able to respect and or will have to respect that American single malt is an actual category the same way that bourbon and rye is respected. And, and the first way to do that is to come together and establish the terms of what makes American single malt single malt excuse me, what makes American single malt American single malt. Um, as your listeners probably know, single malt uh, is most commonly associated with Scotland, but really all it means is uh, 100% malted barley coming from one distillery. Um, So here in the United States, according to these TTB laid out uh, delineations, uh, it will be just that. It has to come from one distillery um, and it has to be aged, uh, you know, produced here in America, of course. And actually, it needs to be aged in barrels that are no bigger than 700 liters, uh, which was kind of an interesting uh, little formality because we've never seen that before with American whiskeys. And also, it can't be distilled higher than 80% uh, proof, or excuse me, can't be distilled higher than 80% alcohol by volume during the distillation process, which is again. Ex- explain that, Brad. I mean, I, I know what that means, duh. But I mean, to our listeners out there, when, when you say that it can't be distilled higher than 80 ABV, what does that mean? So that's something that's carried through with other American whiskeys, with specifically with bourbon and rye, uh, something unique to our whiskeys in that you don't when you're distilling a vodka or a neutral grain, you're going to go you can go all the way up to like basically 99 percent alcohol. And what you're doing during during that process is you're stripping out a lot of the flavors and and the components that we want to be able to taste in the grain. So American whiskey, one of the ways that it has a fuller flavor from the get go is by capping that distillation uh, proof at uh, 160 proof or 80% ABV. So this will be the same with American single malt. Interestingly, um, if I haven't you know, put you to sleep already, the thing that, that also gives American whiskey its real kind of oomph and push and its really uh, you know, iconic characteristic to me with bourbon and rye is that it ages in barrels that have never been used before, what we call virgin oak, virgin cooperage. Interestingly, that is not something that will be true of American single malt, at least as it's structured right now, which I am, you know, that's curious to me personally. So are are some of these places using ex-bourbon barrels to, to yes. age their... I would say a lot of the American Single Malt Whiskey Commission was formed, I believe, by 16 distilleries, uh, give or take. It might have been around a dozen. Uh, plenty of them are friends of yours that you've had on your show. Um, Paul Fletko, uh, a few, few spirits, is, is, is a big uh, Stranahan's part of that, uh, too, I think. Stranahan's, for sure. Of course, we have West Word and West Lind uh, up there in the Pacific Northwest that have been, you know, very big com- uh, proponents of this. Del Bach um, down there in Tucson. Um, Santa Fe, of course, in New Mexico, a lot of these folks have been producing their whiskey and aging it in barrels that have been 
used before. Um, I think personally, this is just my feeling is I thought it would have been really cool to dictate that it has to be virgin oak the same way that it is for bourbon and rye. Because if you're going to do something that's distinct to America, you know, why not carry that through across all the whiskey categories as opposed to kind of trying to redo some of what the Scotch already do or what the Scots already do really, really well. So Brad, my understanding of why they would not want to be limited to new white American oak is that they want to have as much room to experiment as possible, which has sort of been a hallmark of some of these distillers. They don't want to be constrained by the same rules that are, that the folks that are making bourbon are constrained by. Right. Yeah, I totally get that, and and I understand that. And also, many of them are committed uh, to making American single malt in this way, right? Because they've been making it for years and they already have stock that's been laid down into barrels that have been used many times before. I'm just saying personally, as a drinker, um, that has come to know and love a certain style that goes along with American whiskeys with my bourbon and rye that has that strong barrel influence. It would be cool if American single malt, uh, was known for bringing that to its respective category. Well, guess what? I, I think I know somebody who's going to be going on the TTB website and commenting Brad Javi. Uh, speaking of small distillers, whiskey, Brad has got a great piece in, I don't know if it's the most recent, but the Bourbon Plus magazine, Brad did a piece on distilling in Texas. Right. And I read that piece and it's fantastic. He did, as, as always, very thorough in in breaking down what's going on there now and how it, how it all came to be. So you might want to check that out in bourbon plus that's Brad's latest. And also with whiskey, as you know, as mentioned, I've got Glenn Howerton coming on. You interviewed Glenn for a piece for Rolling Stone about four walls. What do you think of the whiskey? I only tried the older, more elegant, uh, expression that was, uh, coming from Ireland. Uh, I believe the younger stuff has some juice there from Pennsylvania. It blends Pennsylvania rye with Irish whiskey, which is pretty interesting. I have not tasted that. The Irish whiskey is super complex, um, real depth of finish there. And I was really impressed by it. And I was really impressed talking to Glenn, as I'm sure you were as well, um, that, you know, he really loves whiskey and he can talk and rap about whiskey at length. And I love when a celebrity comes into the space and it's not just a naked cash grab, which is clearly not the case here because they're doing it for charity. That's right. Um, so nothing but good things to say about Four Walls. Well, I did try both of the whiskeys, and you'll be hearing that in just a few minutes with my interview with Glenn. Glenn and I tipped a few back. Always fun. <laughs> Brad Jaffe, appreciate you taking the time. I know it's late over there. What time is it? It's like one in the morning in Croatia, right? Uh, almost midnight. So we're fine. We're fine. We're good. Okay. Going to go out, have a good night, drink lots of rakia. There you go, man. Well, always great to see you, my friend, and uh, we will catch up with you soon. Yo ho ho, and a bottle of rum. What, you don't like my singing voice? Whatever. I don't want to be singing about rum anyway. I'd rather be drinking it. When I'm home alone on my couch, dressed up like a pirate, my go-to rum is Batiste. Batiste rum is the first sustainable American craft rum. It's the only known beverage alcohol in the world to have a climate-positive natural production process without the purchase of carbon offsets. Or Cardi B's offset, for that matter. Though I love to dance to his music when I'm all rummed up and dressed like a pirate. Batiste rum is made from 100% pure fresh cane juice, not molasses or sugar crystals. If you like your tequila 100% agave, then you'll love your rum 100% cane juice. And right now, if I got a couple of offers for you, dear listener, go to BatisteRum.com. That's B-A-T-I-S-T-E-R-H-U-M.com. Fill up your shopping cart and enter code WWD15 at checkout to get 15% off all your orders. And if you want their delicious reserve rum enter code reserve you get 20 percent off that's cold hard cash batiste rum is my jam make it yours too it's proof that great taste with true sustainability is not a goal for tomorrow but a reality today joining me now boy where to begin he's an actor producer did a little directing i think he's written several uh, New York Times bestsellers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
He hosts a wildly, co-hosts a wildly popular podcast. It's called It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which is, uh, I believe, an offspring of a, the television show that he has starred in for 37 seasons. Mm-hmm. 37 seasons of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. He is also a partner in a limited uh, whiskey brand that came out called Four Walls. He's Glenn Howerton. I am. How are you, man? I'm good, man. It's good, good to, to see you. you. Yeah, it's, you know, it's been it's been many years. We've known each other for quite some time, but we, you know, you've were just telling me how many years it's been since we hung out, and uh, it, I didn't understand how it could possibly have been that long. I, I don't understand time anymore. I would. I'm going to guess it's been four years. We lost two and a half, basically, where we didn't. Right, we're at that point, and then yeah, we had dinner. But you know what? It's 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 one thing to not see you know a friend of yours for that long, but it's another thing entirely when you live in the same neighborhood. When you live five blocks away, <laughs> I, I actually I, I walk by. I don't want to say where we're at, uh, but I walk, well, you can say we're in Venice. We're I mean, in Venice. I yeah, I walk by Glenn's house often. Look up longingly. Yeah. I think maybe he'll be there in the window. Right, just looking maybe out. Just see him. Gazing like, oh, out. It's me, Glenn. Right. Hasn't happened. Um, anyway, man, great to see you. And I stay gr- away from the windows. <laughs> you should. Especially <laughs> with me coming by. Um, so, boy, there's so much to talk about. I mean, the whiskey thing is kind of what kick-started this, though. So we should probably start there. You, you uh, Rob, and Charlie decided to get in the spirits game. Mm-hmm. But is it is it a one time shot? Or are you gonna you gonna stick with this? Because you didn't put out many bottles, right? Yeah, um, you know it was a little bit of testing the waters. Um, you know, uh, maybe you could call it hedging a little. You know, to see if the interest is 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 really there. Um, the most important thing to me with this, really, as a whiskey fan and a whiskey drinker, was to put out a really, really good whiskey. Um, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I know as much about whiskey as, you know, uh, a Me. lot of whiskey or you <clears throat> kidding. Just you know, I think I was listening to Ian Summerhalder on, uh, on the Fred Minnick podcast, sure. and listening to him talk about whiskey. I was like, I stupid. Well, they, I stupid. you know, they've done, I've had Ian and Paul <laughs> on this show as well. And they've, They've really immersed themselves. Like they yeah. go out, they're doing the work. He's, you know, he's constantly posting from either the distillery that they're that they're using, or you know, out on the road, yeah. meeting up with the, you know, going to the grocery stores and doing all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you learn. But, but you he learn. knows. He know, He just. He has a, a wealth of knowledge that 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 I don't have. Um, and you know what? I'm going to accept that about myself. Uh, the truth is, uh, as it is with many things with me, uh, I may not be, I've learned to just trust that if I like something that it's, it's, it's good. Now that doesn't mean that doesn't necessarily apply to everything, which is why, you know, it was, it was, it would, it was an interesting experiment to find out if I could create a whiskey that I really, really liked and, see if other people liked it too. And so far, it seems like, you know, I mean, the reviews are, we've had a couple of really great reviews. Well, I've, I came to the whiskey because uh, my, my pal Brad Jaffe, who's a regular on this show as well, Brad uh, mentioned to me that he was interviewing you and, mm-hmm. and told me just how fabulous. The, so you've got an Irish whiskey. Yeah. And then you've got a blend of Irish whiskey and American rye whiskey, correct? Yeah, the um, so we put out two expressions. One is a, uh, you know, it's funny. We're calling it a. We're actually underselling the fifteen-year Irish whiskey that we put out. And what I mean by that is, there's nothing wrong with saying uh, that something is fifteen years if it's been aged for twenty years. You know, because you're actually underselling whatever it. the age statement is. Everybody, mm-hmm. know, you know, so you know this. Whenever you see an age statement on a bottle, mm-hmm. what that means is that's the age of the youngest whiskey. That's right in the blends. But oftentimes, if you buy a 15 year old Irish whiskey, you're gonna there's going to be some older whiskeys added as well. Yeah. But, what? But legally, what they can put on the label 
is the year, the age of the youngest whiskey in the blend. Right. Yeah. So, um, we, this is, uh, this, there's, there's only four barrels of this stuff and, uh, it's actually been aged for 19 and a half years. Um, but we wanted to make it call it 15 years to celebrate 15 seasons of sunny. (laughs) Gotcha. That's right. So, um, you know, so we say it's been aged a minimum of 15 years. Um, you know, it's just a better, it's just a better story, but so yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a 15 year aged, uh, you know, single malt Irish whiskey. And then the other one is, um, you know, grain and malt Irish whiskey that's been aged for five years. Um, both of them, both of them aged in ex bourbon barrels. Uh, and then that Irish whiskey, uh, was then mixed with, uh, rye whiskey from Pennsylvania. So the 15 year, Mm -hmm. AKA 19 and a half year old whiskey. Yeah. Uh, you only made how many bottles? A limited, a limited number. Well, oh, sorry. I'd say four, four, four casks were, are available for sale. We actually got our hands on five. Um, and the other ones, you know, we're giving out to press and, you know, friends and family and stuff like that. But, uh, there were only, there's only 755 bottles that were available for, for sale. Are they gone? You know what? I don't know where we are with that. I mean, we're selling this one because it's it's essentially extinct, right? After after these bottles are drunk, it, this this stuff is gone. Yeah. Um, and and by the way, to find that stuff in Ireland isn't easy. It's not no. you know because I mean, well, actually, at this point, to find it anywhere because there was such a run on on aged whiskeys everywhere. But Ireland has was gone. The whiskey in Ireland at the end of the you know going into the eighties nineties was basically non-existent. They were making all of the available, commercially available Irish whiskey in the world was being made at one distillery, right. the Middleton distillery. And they were down to about four brands, That's commercially right. available brands. And so there's not a lot of stock. That's there's right. a That's... lot of old stock. So when you get some of that, mm-hmm. it's precious. You've explained it perfectly. Um, you know, I, I think if you don't know, look, I mean, Irish whiskey, I think in some ways feels ubiquitous because anytime you go to a bar, they've always got Jameson. You know, they've always got Bushmills. There's a couple things you're always going to see. So you're like, so everybody thinks like, well, no, there's a lot of Irish whiskey around. But you're right. It's it's only been recently where people started to really become enthusiastic about aged Irish whiskey. So there isn't a lot of it out there, um, which is why we felt justified in selling it for $1,000 a bottle. <laughs> now, keep in mind, uh, we also, uh, you know, all, all of our profits are going to charity. So uh, we're not keeping any of the profits. So the... the- if I if I got it right, it's to support the service community yeah. in Pennsylvania. The, yeah, um, yes, and we'll we'll continue to um, you know expand you know who we're giving to uh, you know as we move forward. But uh, it seemed like a good place to start. So they um, took a hit during the pandemic, obviously, and you know a lot of people. Yeah, we we raised uh, we were able to so because there were um, four uh, barrels there were four number one bottles of the 15 year. Um, and, uh, Rob, Charlie and I got the three of the number one bottles. And then we, uh, we were able to raise a hundred thousand dollars for the other number one bottle. So we, wow. Yeah. So a hundred thousand say who bought this or it's an anonymous. It's it. Yeah. It's anonymous. anonymous, but, um, we, we raised that money. That money actually went to Neva, which is the, uh, uh, independent venue association, the national, what is it? National, I'm messing this up. It's the national independent venue association. Anyway, it's, it's, they, they support small bars and venues. Great. Uh, so that the hundred thousand dollars for the bottle number one went to Neva and then, um, all the other uh, profits from the sales have gone to, uh, Pennsylvania's harp, which is the hospitality assistance, uh, response. Do you collect whiskey at all? Are you, is it something that interests you? Like getting your hands on old bottles, that sort of thing? Um, no, no. Uh, I collect whiskeys that I want to taste. Uh, so I don't give a shit how old it is. Uh, I don't care how old it is. I don't care. You know, if it's good, it's good. Good whiskey's good whiskey. Um, you know, uh, I, but I think, I, I think I could be headed in that direction, you know, because I do find it interesting and I'm, and I'm learning more and more, especially now. Well, and I think the stories, I mean, and I've said this about whether it's spirits, whether it's wine, it's so experiential and it's not just a zero sum thing where you go, this tastes this way and that's, it's the stories. And that's kind of, you know, I've got a pretty substantial collection just because of what I do. And 
I like being able to look at a bottle and know what that story is behind it. Sure. And why, you know, that said, I also have this like a panicky feeling like it, I would be the guy that would be on the airplane and it's going down and I'm going, why did I not drink that 2002 yeah. screaming eagle? Why the fuck? It, it's in my fridge. <laughs> like I'm, it's in my wine fridge. I'm not drinking well, it yet. I got to tell you a funny, a funny thing. I, uh, this is, a, tells you how little I knew about wine and yeah. sparkling wine and champagne. Okay. So over the years for various Landmark occasions in, in my life, I'd been given some really nice bottles of champagne, you know, some really nice bottles of Dom. And I thought like, you know, and I'm, I'm actually not a big drinker. Um, you know, when I drink, I like to drink something that I really, really like, and I don't drink that much of it. Uh, so, so, and I especially was never a big uh, wine drinker um, or sh- not champagne. So I thought like, well, you know, we'll save these for like a special occasion. I didn't know that you can't do that. Like you kept them too long. Yeah, I kept them too long. Oh, so man. I didn't. I did not know that like Dom Perignon bottles it when it's best to be drunk. So it, you could bottle it. You know, it could be a 1995. Uh, they could bottle it in 2005, but that means drink it in 2005. Yeah. And so my wife and I opened a bottle of uh, you know Dom from like 1995 or something like that that we'd had for 15 <sighs> years. And it was shit. It turned. Yeah, it had turned, and, and uh, we were we were both like, I thought this was going to be good. This is this this doesn't taste right." I mean, I, I made a mental note that I need to actually go through my. Well, I have a bunch of wine mm-hmm. fridges, and I need to go through them soon because I recently was going somewhere, and I wanted to impress with a nice bottle, and I went, looked, and I went, "Oh shit!" Like I started looking at some of these wines, going. These are older than I thought. Like you and I were talking off the air before we started about like just with the pandemic and everything sort of losing track of how long mm-hmm. things have been. And uh, I'm looking at these wines going, oh, I got to drink this. You know what I mean? Like that's when it gets weird, right? Where you're like, you've got such a collection of like alcohols that you feel obligated to yeah. drink them. You know what I mean? That's that's probably no good. But I hear you. Well, I, I mean, for me... and. Not so much anymore, but back in the day when I was writing about alcohol for The Rob Report and Playboy, I would get so much of it. And I know people are probably listening going, fuck you, yeah, right? Fuck but you, but yeah. I would get so much of it, it would cause me anxiety because I would go, what am I going to do with yeah. all this expensive alcohol? Because right, right, like, yeah. then I felt like it's a commodity. It's something that I, you know, I, I don't want to just be kidding. Sure. What do I do with it? Literal champagne problems. <laughs> anyway, yeah, yeah. Uh, but so in addition to, uh, by the way, I'm staring, this is the funniest part of this. We're having this conversation and the whiskey is about six feet away from me on a table and Glenn set it up with some glasses, but not right in front of us. What, what was that choice? Why did you make that choice? You know why? Because we were fiddling with, you were going to be fiddling with all this equipment and oh, I didn't want glasses okay. to get knocked over right. and bottles to get knocked over. I wanted you to have a free space to put things where it needed to be put and then I was going to maneuver the bottles okay. into the right I'll, spot. I'll, so you, you want to- i try some now. Yeah. You want to dig into some of this? I'll try a little bit. All right. Okay. I'm, I'm actually, I'm very excited. Uh, I get very excited for people to try this. I'm excited to do it. And I want to give you my honest assessment of it as please, well. No, please yes. do. And, and um, you know, I, I've grown to become very excited about this because uh, it's, it, yeah, whatever. I'm, I'm not going to, I don't want to say too much, but all right, let me go grab him. Hold on. Well, I suspect, and while he's going to do that, I suspect it's something that I've encountered with other uh, celebrity friends that have gotten in the game is, you splash of water with? Did you like that? let me try it. Let me try it. Straight up, I mean, neat. This is, cash, and, this is 127 proof. Oh yeah, we might want to. Well, uh, you know, yeah, put a little bit of water in there, just please. Yeah, yeah, just to spite. And okay, so, so you, actually, we should try. We should try this one first. Let's yeah, try let's try one. that. Let's try that first. And so everybody knows, when you got a really high proof spirit, especially a whiskey, you put a little bit of water in there to dilute the kick that you're going to get from that alcohol to sort of mitigate that a little bit, and you're able to identify what's happening more in the whiskey sometimes because when you get that high proof like the alcohol can be overwhelming would you say it was glenn 127 127 proof 27.4 that's a lot of that's a high alcohol content um especially it's it's 7 15 in the morning when we're doing this no um <laughs> whoa all right so now we're gonna i'm nosing this thing and knows it and i'm knows nosing it, baby. and i feel like knows it good this is the this is the good stuff you know, this is this is really this is the fifteen year that we're gonna get into dig into right now. 
Um, it is a little strange to be drinking at uh, in the morning, but also mm. awesome. You know what? It's nighttime in Ireland, and we're drinking Irish whiskey. I believe I international rules apply. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's good stuff, man. That is, to me, Irish whiskey oh. is the most approachable whiskey, and I don't mean that in a negative, like it's oh, not, yeah. not a complexity, but it, it it's certainly, to me, really well-made Irish whiskey has strikes a, a perfect balance between you don't want it to be too sweet, but you also don't want it to be, you know, if you get into some of the bigger scotches, especially the peatier scotches, we're just getting that sort of just aggressive earthiness to it. Yeah. This one is right there in the, like a nice blend of... You know, it's interesting. I, I have to look and see what barrel this is from because... This one, I don't think I've had one from this barrel. You know, these are all. This is the fifteen year, <clears throat> this is the, yeah, nineteen but, and a half year old. Sorry. But like I said, there you know, there's 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 five barrels of it, and every barrel is going to taste slightly different. And I um, honestly don't think I've tried this one. Well, I, or, or 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 rather, I'm, I mean, I've tried them all. But cheers, buddy. Slancha. I've tried them all, but um, this is not the one that I've been drinking. I just opened mm. a new one for for my friend Dan here. So. Oh, you're the best. Yeah. Look at that. That is delightful. How much you say this is? Um, the 15-year is $1,000 a bottle. I've got $75 cash. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cash. Right. In my pocket. Today. Right now. Yeah. Right One-time offer. Take yep, it or yep. leave it. Like <laughs> uh, wow. This is, this is worth it if you're collecting. Now, this is... But it does bring up that interesting thing. Like, if, if you buy this bottle of whiskey... Mm-hmm. Do you open it, or do you keep it in your thing and go? This is well, you're not. This isn't going to be available, and you're not going to be able to get this again. Mm-hmm. Eventually, open it, but how long do you keep it? I mean, I look. I mean, this this stuff can be an investment. I mean, I say if you've got the means, and and you know, I'll grant you, most people uh, don't necessarily have the means. But if you have the means, I say buy two bottles, okay. keep one, and drink the other. That's one. that's generally what you most, know. Look, yeah. if you can afford a thousand dollar bottle of whiskey, you can probably afford two thousand dollars. So I think the best thing to do, honestly, and this is not me just being a salesman, I think the best thing to do is really buy one and, and, and hold on to it. You know, you could even, another thing you could do if you're, if you're really wild is buy three, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm actually serious here, right? Yeah. I'm actually serious here. And here's, let me explain. Do I hear four? <laughs> Sold to the back. Here we no, go. No, but I'll, I'll explain. So you buy three, you hold on to one, right? Just because you're a collector, right? Yes. The other one you hold on to and you sell later for more. You make a profit. You make your money back, right? And then the third one you drink. You drink it. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's right. what I think is the best move. So everybody out there, um, go ahead and plunk down $3,000. You got three grand, three large. Three well, so I was at a, uh, an event this past winter in Aspen <clears throat> for the McAllen scotch. And it was, the, it was a, they invited their baller collectors. Like mm-hmm. these are the richest, the captains of the universe, you yeah. know? And these guys are kind of doing what you do, except on a, what you're suggesting, but on a much grander scale. Sure. Like they, you know, they'll buy the bottles a hundred thousand. So they'll sure. buy two of them, one they can drink and one that they keep too for yeah. the collection. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You can't take it with you, though, Glenn. That's it, that's the thing. That's the thing. I think uh, you know, as you're ending, nearing the end of your life, as you are, Dan. <laughs> uh, you you got to open those Not bottles. Too far off. Well, you know, listen, man. You know, the liver can only take so much. That's true. I have the liver. This is insane, but it's true. Yeah. I get I I get physicals all the time because okay. I'm I don't want. I'm afraid of dying. And uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oddly enough. I have the liver of someone who's never drank before. It's weird. Now, how is that I'm a possible? freak of nature. Oh, well, how wonderful for you. Yeah. But I mean, everything else is falling. My my ass is leaking and okay. I all these other hair comes out of places it shouldn't be coming out of. But my liver's okay. Okay. So the other organs are shutting down. The other the liver's- <laughs> organs. I had a pinched nerve recently and I you- went to find out what was going on. And I asked the doctor, I said, how did I do it? Mm. And she said- by aging. You're getting old. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's it. Like yeah, your yeah. just body's falling apart. Dude, I went Thank I went, you, Doc. I played tennis the other day. It, you know, like a it acted like I was a 16-year-old kid and I, it barely warmed up. Did you know, came home and was just wrecked. <laughs> wrecked. Tennis playing. Well, that's the problem, man. Tennis is a, it's very taxing on the body. Um 
I want to, I'm going to jump all over the place here, but I wanted to bring up Glenn, in addition to Sonny and, and all the things you've done, you actually had a small role in what I believe is one of the most underrated scary movies, The Strangers. Yeah. The Strangers. Mm-hmm. I love this movie. It's I've, really good. I've watched this movie so many times. I'm not going to give it away in case you haven't seen it. Things don't end well for Glenn in the movie. And it's a small part, but it's a pivotal part in there, mm-hmm. I think. And um, I was wondering, because I know this, I really do know this. And I'm wondering if you remember. When you come into the house, shortly before things don't end well for you. Uh-huh. Scary. There's a music playing on the turntable. Yep. What's the song? Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Good question. And I know this because I'm not trying to show off. It's just when I saw that movie, the the song got me. Damn. So I looked it up. What was it? And I've become a big fan of it since. I forget. I, I it's been a long time since. I will I've seen give it. you a hint. Oh yeah, give me a hint. The singer name is Merle Haggard. Oh, 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 Daddy tried. Mama tried. Mama tried. I'm sorry. Mama tried. Mama tried. Mama, Mama tried. tried by yeah, Mama Merle tried. Haggard is yeah, playing. Yeah, yeah. And then Glenn's character meets his meets uh, his demise. Meets his demise. Um. Yeah. That was. Uh. That. That was one of those. Like. I'm not a big. I've never. Uh. I've never had much desire to be an actor in horror films. Uh. I don't like night shoots, and horror <laughs> films require a lot. of... A lot of night shoots. I don't like being covered in blood and muck and shit. Yeah. Uh, And, uh, you know, it's a tough space to live in for like a month at a time. You know, to live live in that like dark, dark, dark place, you know, for a long period of time. So I've never had a large, large part in a a horror film. Um, But, you know, when I read this script, uh, it was just so, it was great. It was so good and it was so spooky. It read really, really well. And I thought, well, this would be fun. You know, Well, is it really... What I love about it is very simple. Yeah. It's, you know, a lot of times I think these, the horror movies, either they're too, they're just relying on gore or they try to, and you know, there's some supernatural element to it. This one's just, you're in the middle of nowhere and the wrong people show up. Yeah. And you're fucked. You know, that's it. Like, I always, that always scared the shit out of me because it feels real. It feels like it can really happen. Yeah. If you're just, what if you're in a cabin in the woods and someone knocks on the door. Yeah, and then and then when you find out the reason why they're doing it, which is really no reason at all, it's no. even scarier. Like, yeah. why why are you doing this? I, I love think how we're talking around it. By the way, this movie's been out for thirty. <clears throat> what is the statute of limitations on when you can? I think we've reached it. For like this if one. you if you're at a party and you're talking about Breaking Bad, mm-hmm. and says, "Oh, don't say what happens." I think five years. Five years. At yeah, that for point, something you... that good. Yeah, five years. Okay. Um, because it's, it's, it's worth not spoiling, but after five years, I think that, you know, your time's up. Uh, but, uh, yeah, anyway, that was, that was, a, yeah. So you say you don't like what, what I mean, but you are a Juilliard trained actor. Mm-hmm. Do you like to do dramatic roles? Yeah. Cause I, you're so fucking good at comedy, but as we know, when you, to be really good at comedy, you don't play comedy, you play it straight and yeah. that, and the, and the, that, right. Yeah, no, that, that that's absolutely right. Um, my approach to comedy has always been, uh, you know, if the if the writing is good, then what's absurd and what's funny about what you're watching is the character, what the character wants, what the character is trying to achieve is usually ridiculous. Um, and that's what's funny. How you go about it as an actor should actually be quite real. Now... Do you, is the timing slightly different? Do you play it? You know, I think you have to have a little bit of an ear for it. Um, acting for me has always been musical. I'm a very musical per. I hear things every, I see and hear everything as music. Everything is music to me. Um, and comedy even more than drama is, is, is a piece of music where the timing is perfect, where it gets loud, where it gets soft, all that kind of stuff. Where you go low, where you go high. I mean, it's it's literally a, an expression. There's a rhythm to it. Wait. There's a there's a rhythm to it. There's a musicality to it. Um, 
And that to me is, is often the difference between uh, comedy and drama for me personally. Well, and it helps too, if the band is good. So meaning, you know, if you're playing off of Caitlin Olson and Charlie Day and Rob McElhenney and Danny DeVito, all of whom, if we're going to stick with this metaphor, are virtuosos, there's got to be, and I, and I guess over all this time you've been doing the show, you've developed a real sense for their particular rhythms, the way Danny's going to deliver a line. Yeah, we know how to set each other up. Um, I, that's part of the fun of it is, uh, is, is knowing each other well enough to know what you can say to get the best out of the other person, uh, knowing what you can do and say to, to give them fodder for, you know, creating the, the best laugh. You know, I, I, to me, the funniest stuff, uh, has often been also when, a the, the sort of the, the, let's cut, you know, the Charlie's character has always been a little bit kind of wild and unpredictable and, you know little larger than life. And, uh, to me, a lot of times, you know, much like with the golden girls, I often point to be Arthur as the, one of the funniest people on that show, but it was often because she was just, it would just cut to a reaction shot, like of her reacting to, you know, Rose saying something ridiculous. It's funny you say that I was watching an episode of Sunny the other night where you and, uh, Dennis and Dee are in a castle in Ireland Mm -hmm. and, uh, the possibly, uh, Dennis is possessed. And there's this great moment when you say something and you're mm-hmm. talking to the castle mm-hmm. <laughs> and the reaction shot for Caitlin, I just yeah. lost it. I was laughing so hard and it's, she didn't say anything. It's just the look on her face. Yeah. And then she says, who are you talking to? Yep. And then your face, and it's just brilliant. I mean, it, yeah. It's something we kind of stumbled into with how we filmed the show too is, uh, you know, it wasn't totally... We didn't totally consciously do this on purpose, um, but one of the things that I think makes our show uh, have uh, makes our show have a lot of rewatch value is there's a lot of characters on screen at the same time. We don't we don't shoot a lot of singles, you know. Every once in a while, sure, but most of the time we've got multiple characters in one shot, so you get to you can you can find different people's reactions to things. Every time you watch it, you can see something different, you know, um, and, you know, and in that shot, you've, you've got me in the foreground, but you've also got her in the background. So it's not something you have to cut to. You can watch either one of us, you know, or you can watch one of us one time and the other one the other time. Um, and I, I, I really enjoy that style of shooting because you, you, it, it's, it's a little bit more theatrical. You get to see everybody at the same time. One of my favorite moments, not you won't see this on the show, but if you go to YouTube and Google Sunny Bloopers. This is from a long time ago. I believe it was the Nightman Cometh mm-hmm. episode. There was an older woman that was playing the piano. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and apparently, she really was like the character. So there was a moment where yeah. she kind of tells you to shut up. or she says, Whatever it is that happens, if you're laughing. Like watching you guys in this blooper reel try to keep it together is one of the funniest things I've, I've ever seen. Because... She was just hired because she had the right look and the right vibe. And then she just started saying shit like that wasn't in the script. None of that stuff was in the script. You know, I was friends with Calvin Coolidge, all that shit. Like she just like None she just started in the script. No, she just started improvising. And I was like, this is the funniest shit I've ever heard in my entire. I could not keep it. None of us could keep it together because it was just so it was so outrageous that 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 she would even do that, and that you know, she was filterless. She was literally just like, it was it was almost like she wasn't an actor and didn't know that she was on camera. And when someone would say something to her, she would just react, yeah, as she normally, as if it's normal life, as yeah. if it's normal life. Like you so just brought her in to play piano that day, and right? It just happens to be a lot of cameras around, but. But she's gonna re- she's gonna say something back to you based on what you said that you know what I mean, and it was just it. Well, I just couldn't keep it together. I could, you know. Yeah, she was what actually. Do do, what do you do when you've hit that? Mm-hmm. I've had this not with comedy, but I've had it where I'm stumbling on a word or something like, and and then it gets into my head mm-hmm. and I can't get past it. Right, like if I'm emceeing an event or something like that, where I just what do you do when something gets in your craw that is making you laugh? How do you get past that to, to finally get the shot? It's actually really hard because the more it makes you laugh, the harder it is to stop laughing. Uh, because, you know, it's like that everybody has that. Everybody's had that experience of like being, you know, in class in high school and somebody says something funny and 
you know, the, the, the more you're not supposed to be laughing and the madder the teacher gets, the harder you laugh. You just can't, you can't stop. Um, so one thing that I have to do is with particular scenes, particular moments, if I know it's, it's the kind of thing that's like, I'm going to break. This is like, this is so funny to me that I'm going to break. And once I break, it's really hard to rein it in. So what I will often do is just really try hard to, to be like, this is not funny. Like I have to convince myself, this is not funny. I need something right now. Dennis needs something. I need to get this thing. You know what I mean? It's not fucking funny. And I have to like kind of get mad and get, you know, like, you know, uh, that's the, that's the only technique really that I have, like biting my cheek or, you know, whatever, like digging my nails into my thigh. That shit doesn't work for me. So is there, is there one person on Sunny that makes you break more than the, than anybody else? <laughs> Damn, put the camera on. <laughs> um, no, no, it's pretty, it's pretty even. It's pretty equally stretched out. I mean, I, I you know, it's funny. Everybody makes me laugh. But when Danny makes me laugh, it's often the hardest. I don't know if it's, he will just do the most, he'll have the most surprising reactions to things sometime, sometimes. Like, I guess he's a little bit more unpredictable in some ways. Like, I, I literally don't know what he's going to do. And that to me, that makes it often funnier when it, when it happens. There's a, there's a blooper from season, I don't know, 10 or 9 or something where, you know, it's the, I think it's the, the gang group dates. It's from that episode. And, you know, Danny's talking about, uh, Frank's talking about orgies and how he, he used to go to all these orgies in the seventies. <laughs> the and, and he could just, he was talking about how he could just kind of slip in and nobody would notice like, cause it's a giant pile of people. So he could just kind of slide in. Nobody even really noticed that he was there and was all tits and butts and ass. And he's telling this story and then he stops down. He's like, he's like, you know, it was all tits and butts and ass and, you know, it was great. And then, and he's got a big smile on his face and then he just kind of goes sad for a minute and he's like, and then AIDS ruined everything. (laughs) And I just, it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my entire life. The way he delivered it, you know, it's the thing that, you know, it's exactly what we were just talking about. Danny's such a great actor. Half the time, I really don't even think he's trying to be funny. I think he's just playing it. He's just that funny. He's just that funny. We when we did, um, <clears throat> Glenn and I worked on a, uh, a, a ill-fated uh, yeah. pilot. It was yeah. based on my book, and that probably should have been the first indicator that it was ill-fated. <laughs> but uh, we made this pilot. But when we before you do the pilot, mm-hmm. you do a, a table read, and everybody comes in, and all the network execs and studio people are there, and Donald Sutherland was playing my the character based on me's father in the show, mm-hmm. but he wasn't available for the table read, and Danny read his part. I don't know if you remember this. No, I don't. I don't think I... I actually Maybe you think, weren't there that day. I think day, I was but, not there that day for some but reason. But Danny, every time he did the line, it, it was a mixed feelings for me because it was so funny, mm-hmm. and then I kept thinking, there's no way Donald Sutherland's going to be as funny as this. Yeah. And I was right. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, but anyway, yeah, it was just one of those things where I think with certain people, when they just talk, they're funny, but he, he also, I mean, it's, it's not, you know, I, I need to give him more credit than that. Cause he knows what's funny, but like it, it's my, my favorite comedic actors have always been, I've apologized cause I have said this in interviews before, but is where the difference between a comedic performance from that actor and a dramatic performance from that actor is literally just one slight notch of the dial. You know, that person just dials Jim, it Jim up. Jim Carrey, maybe? Or- <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. The 20, subtlety 20 of Jim Carrey? Yeah. Right. Okay, yeah. No, you know, the- Jason of- Bateman would be a Bateman. Great example. Perfect a great example. example. Somebody who can- mm-hmm. The guy in Ozark seems eerily similar to the guy in Arrested Development. That's right. Yeah. The way they, re- they react and- Yeah. One little notch. One little, one little dials it up. Just one little bit. You know what I mean? Knows what's funny about it. Has such- precision and control uh i've always admired bateman for that he's Very so good. precise with his comedy can i try the other whiskey yeah let's yeah, do let's it let's do that one and then while we're uh while we're we'll take a quick break while glenn uh pours whiskey and then i have a surprise for glenn coming up as well you do yeah i do mm. so while at america's biggest booze fest tales of the cocktail i ran into one of my oldest and dearest friends in the business 
H. Joseph Ehrman. The fact that H is the proprietor of one of the country's best cocktail bars, Elixir in San Francisco, is enough reason for me to love the guy. But H also happens to be one of the fine folks behind Fresh Victor. You've probably heard me say this before. You can buy the finest spirits in the world to make craft cocktails at home. If you use lousy mixers, you're going to get lousy drinks. And let's face it, whipping up cocktails at home can be an expensive hassle. We don't always have time to go out and get fruits and veggies and squeeze them and juice them, or at least I don't. And that's why I'm all about Fresh Victor. Fresh Victor is a line of all-natural, clean-label cocktail mixers that taste fabulous. All of the ingredients are fair trade sourced. There's no artificiality, none. And the bonus of Fresh Victor of a ready-made canned cocktail is not just the jump in quality and freshness, but the fun of actually making yourself and your guests a fabulous drink. And rest assured, these mixers are produced at a 100% solar-powered juicing plant with absolutely no waste. And right now, Fresh Victor is offering a summertime special exclusively for my listeners. Simply go to FreshVictor.com, fill up your shopping cart, and at checkout, enter promo code WWD20 to get 20% off your order. Don't hesitate. Now's the time to treat yourself to the very best mixers on the market, and that's Fresh Victor. This is Gladys. She's going to be playing the piano instead of me tonight. What? Yes, and I lived through the Coolidge administration, and I never <laughs> thought that I would ever be at my 99 years of age being with such beautiful people. Okay, I love that. All right, now she knows all the songs. Everything's fine, okay? Why? Now, Why? There's a little last-minute ditty that happens, okay? And so, Gladys, can you just get out there and get us started, please? I'll try. Yeah, well, don't try. Just do, okay? You've been snipping at me all morning, and you've been told, you told me the coolest story like a oh, hundred times. Quiet down. Come on, girl. Let's oh, get God, this going. I think I'm going to throw up, man. Yeah, I'm gone. I can't do this. Okay, I'm losing <laughs> my cool too a little bit. Settle down. <laughs> Settle down. So, Glenn, I want to ask you, because I feel like you're very, uh, your ethics... My truck, I have an FJ, is yep. making a weird noise. Mm-hmm. When I get going like 75 miles an hour, mm. it makes this like, like humming noise that I believe is indicating that there's some, the, wind, the windshield is loose or there's something going on. So I took it in. I took it to two different places. And the Toyota dealership, of course, was like, oh, we'll charge you $3,000 to fix it. I think it's the windshield related. So I called my insurance company, and if my windshield's cracked... They'll replace the windshield. So this is what I'm asking you. I'm thinking about cracking my own windshield. Is this a good idea? Because then if they replace it and it's not that, I could still blame it on the the windshield replacement and then get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's why. Here's why that's ethical. Okay. To do that, because if it is the windshield, um, well, yeah. See, that's the thing. You don't know. I don't know. If you knew it was the windshield, but they wouldn't do it unless there was a crack in it. That's it. That would be different. Yeah. Do I actually have to crack it, or do you think I could find an unethical windshield replacement guy and say, could you just say that the windshield was cracked? Or do I actually need to physically crack my own Are windshield? Are you asking if you could find an unethical... <laughs> windshield replacement? Uh, windshield replacer? I, I, I imagine so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I... I I don't mean to uh, disparage uh, windshield replacers. <laughs> but there's probably somebody out there yeah. that would take the money from the insurance company. You're, 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 tr- you're trying to find um, an unscrupulous car mechanic, and that's I don't it. think you're going to have a hard time. Okay, that's good. All right, good. So now we've got the uh, we got another one of the Four Walls whiskeys here. This is the blend of Irish whiskey and rye. This is a five-year-aged Irish whiskey uh, aged in ex-bourbon barrels mixed with wiggle Pennsylvania rye. So that's a distillery outside of Pittsburgh. Correct. And I believe you're getting your Irish whiskey from the Cooley Distillery. That is correct. Okay. So now we we know the provenance of the whiskey. Let's try. This is a 90. You're saying 90 or 92 on this? You know. Let's make, let's call it 91. It's, it, uh, yeah, sure. Right. Let's go in between. Yeah. And how much is this a bottle? This is a much more approachable price wise. This this is th- and this is sold out by the way. This, this so guy. the hoi polloi could get this is what oh, you're saying. The hoi polloi could okay, get this. Yeah, right. this is a ninety dollar bottle of whiskey. It's gone though. Um, it is gone. So I, I'm going to revisit my comment from earlier in the show when I said is when I asked you if this is a limited thing. Of course it's not. Of course you're going to make more of this. If you've already sold it out, you'd be dumb not to. This is the one that's this. This is more proof of concept for what we have planned in the future. Um, right. I guess I never got to the end of that answer. The the. The short version is that uh, 
um, the long play was always to look. There's like I said, the 15 year that's that's limited. That's gone anyway. Like there's no way we could can you know continue to do that. Um, and we could start you know we could start uh, aging it now. But um, anyway, the the Irish American um, that's the mass market release that we're aimed towards. So whatever we put out in the future will be very similar to the one that you're tasting now. And this one is delicious. Obviously, we're, we're we're doing this one without any water in it, right? You mm-hmm. put any, not obviously, but we mm-hmm. are doing this without mm-hmm. any water in it. And this has a little more spice on it, and yep. I think uh, the the rye influence is going to do that. But mm-hmm. again, very agreeable. I think there are people out there who get scared by whiskey. You know, they, it it gets you, and it's just it's too much. And yep. this thing, while it certainly has complexity to it, it has some oomph to it. This is a, you could sit around and just drink a few glasses of this while yeah, the idea, watching Sunny. We we were like curious to see if we could figure out a way to create something that has the smooth sippability of an Irish whiskey, which Irish whiskey is really great for. You know, it's um it's it's much more agreeable to the average person also, right? But something with the but add the spicy complexity of a rye to it. And it holds up better in a cocktail. So now you've created a whiskey that sips like an Irish and mixes like a rye. So that's why we say it's blended for bartenders, because what we'd like um, would be for the bartender to only have to reach for one bottle. So now you're going to, there's a festival coming up in the September called Bourbon and Beyond. I've been part of that in the past. I might be part of it this year. We don't know yet. But I know that you are going to be part of it. You, Rob... And Charlie are going to go there yep. and do the Sunny podcast from Bourbon and Beyond. It's a, it's the middle of September. Guys, go get tickets. Again, hopefully I'll be there. But the bigger question is, are you looking forward to doing more of that type of stuff? Getting out, meeting bartenders, meeting consumers, meeting people, and really, you know, pushing your wares. Honestly, that is the most exciting thing to me on the horizon because – one of the reasons why I wanted to do this is because I've been searching for, you know, outlets for my own creativity outside of the entertainment industry. Uh, and being a whiskey enthusiast, I thought, God, that would be so fun. It's just sort of like one of those, like, not childhood dream, because I, uh, you know, I didn't wasn't into whiskey as a child, but like, just one of those things that I just thought, like, God, that would be so, that would be so fun to create my own version of something that I love, you know, and to really have a hand in picking, you know, what the mixture of rye and Irish is going to be, where the Irish comes from, which casks it comes from, and all that kind of stuff. And you, and to be clear, and I've read this in a Rolling Stone piece, while Rob and, and, and Charlie are involved, you took the lead on sort of, well, developing the flavor profile and, and yeah, because they're not into whiskey as much as you are. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, you know, they're my partners in this because it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, the whole, uh, you know, the whole idea behind this was to celebrate the four walls of the bar and and to celebrate 15 seasons of Sunny and to give something to the fans. So, you know, of course, those guys are involved. Um, but it's, it's, it's a little bit more of a pet project of mine because of my enthusiasm for whiskey and because... I, I, I'm the only one of the three of us that really consistently drinks whiskey straight, you know, so drinks whiskey for the flavor of the whiskey. You know, Rob likes a good Manhattan, but that's why it was also important for us to do something that mixes well into a Manhattan, you know, because I, I think traditionally Irish whiskey doesn't necessarily mix that well into a Manhattan. I mean, you can do anything, but uh, that's what, where the rye comes in. And it, and it, and it does make a very, it, it's different than just like a, a bourbon Manhattan or a straight rye Manhattan, but um it's, uh, you know, but because it was an Irish, it's an Irish that was aged in ex-bourbon barrels and you're mixing the rye in, all of a sudden it, it really mixes well into those traditional cocktails. And I got to imagine, you know, the excitement for you in terms of creating something and then going out, you already know, accomplished a lot in, in the entertainment field. Obviously, you're on one of the most successful shows of all time. You've produced movies, you've done this. But this is a space where, you know, yeah. you're a new guy. And and I got to imagine that's exciting for you to go out and be like, all right, I'm going to go and meet distillers and I'm going to meet mm-hmm. whiskey makers and I'm going to see 
how I, what I'm doing stacks up. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, and, and that's part of the reason why we did it as a drop because we were like, you know, let's, let's see if what we like, and my partners too, um, over at Spirits of the Night, you know, there are, there are partners in this and, you know, there are some whiskey drinkers over there. So I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, going completely out on a limb. The only one who had to sort of figure out whether this was good or not. And we've got professional whiskey tasters and whiskey experts that are helping us put together the various blends. So I'm not tasting every whiskey on the planet. I'm only tasting really, really good ones that whiskey experts are like, this is, this is great. Try this, try this, try this. But you know, it's, it's really just a matter of like, look, when we created, it's always sunny. I didn't know how to write comedy either. You know, uh, I didn't know what I was doing. I just knew what I liked. And so it's always been sort of an experiment in like, what if I create something that I really, really like and just see if everybody else likes it too. Uh, it worked with Sonny, and so far it, it's working, working with this. It's working with this. And so yeah. Rob's got the soccer team going, Wrexham. Mm-hmm. What's Charlie doing? On? What's his extra crit? Just golf? <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying you've got your whiskey. Rob's got his soccer team. Uh huh. Charlie got a little side project going on? I don't think he's got, you know. He plays I, a lot of golf, though, right? He does play a lot of golf and is a phenomenal golf uh, player, but you know, he's, he's also, you know, he writes a lot. And so he, you know, he's writing movies, he's creating stuff with people. He's got, he's got projects that are in the works, um, you know, in the, in the movie business, you know, so I, I think that's where most of his focus is right now. Um, you know, I, this, I, I've been itching to do something totally, totally different. Uh, which is why this kind of became my thing because I'm, I'm so excited about it. And like I said, the guys are involved. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's sort of something that, that, that I've really championed and pushed. Well, I'm sh- sure you're appreciative of all that Sonny has brought you and, 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 and just the phenomenal run and being able to stay on the air and be relevant and still great for as long as it's been. But yeah, right. You know, when you do it this long, anything. I mean, I, I, you know, I've been doing this podcast for two and a half years and I'm ready to give it up right now. (laughs) This might be the last episode. This could be, Uh, this could be the end. We're putting Um, the nail in the coffin. You know, no matter how rewarding something is, if you do it long enough, you gotta have, you gotta scratch that itch another way. There's gotta be, you know, not that you're mailing it in on Sunny by any means, but, but you've been doing it. Like it's, it's, it's a thing that you're very familiar with and, I know for me personally, when I really, really get pumped up is when I find myself in a space that I'm not comfortable in. Yeah. And going, can I fucking do this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can fucking do this. And and maybe I fall on my face, but it's like that's the thrill is just not knowing how it's going to turn out. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, if if we're not if we're not f- trying and failing and taking risks, then I don't know. It's just sort of life becomes a little bit boring, I think. Um you know, I, I was I was willing to try this, to try this venture and to fail at it. Um, if if that were to happen, I, you know, I, I wouldn't regret it in the slightest because I, what I would have regretted is never trying it. Um, you know, so far I've been really really pleased uh, with the reaction that we that we're getting from the people who are actually tasting this stuff, the, who who've actually gotten their hands on it. Um, and so it really feels something like I can, like, like something I can stand behind, um, you know, which is why I think, you know, we will probably press forward with some sort of a mass market release. Well, it's great. And before I let you go, I actually brought you since you're, you know, you're in this whiskey world. I know that you're a fan of the rye. So I brought you from my private collection, uh, a bottle of Michter's 10 year old, Kentucky Straight Rye Ooh. whiskey. Look at that for you. Well, for those of you who've been paying attention, and that's about if you try to find that on the that's about four or five hundred dollars. I am so excited about and this, and I don't want you to feel like you owe me anything for me taking this out of my private collection. Uh huh. I did also bring a screenplay that I just wrote. Oh no, God! <laughs> don't make me read I didn't your do that. fucking no, screenplay. Uh, I did. I did bring the mixers for you because I know that's sort of one of the gold standards in the in the rye space along with whistle pig and yeah. and uh and I know you're a fan so I I'm a you. huge fan and I've never tried the 10 year uh rye uh you know for those of you who've been paying attention I am a big fan of Michter's rye and I and I'm I'm very excited about this this, this is Well this they'll is, be at Bourbon and Beyond for sure they've uh, Joe Magliocco who's the uh 
owner of Michter's is usually there every year, and yeah, uh, you'll be tasting a lot of good stuff, and that's hopefully awesome. I'll be tasting it with you, but um, well, hopefully you're there because you know you can introduce I us. I need and, to be there. It'd be nice um, if you were there. Well, listen, Glenn, it's a real thrill to see you again. It's man. been fun, and I'm and I'm uh, I'm really happy for you with this four walls. I think uh, I think you're on to something. Yeah, I don't know about the thousand dollar bottle all the time. Yeah, but this one that everybody can drink. The th- by the way, the fifteen year old Irish whiskey, brilliant. I'm just saying. Yeah, know, don't forget this common folk over here, and that's what you can do with the other one. And that's you said it's gone now. Well, and that one's that you know this one's ninety dollars because it's a limited batch. But uh, you know, once we get this on on the shelves in a more mass market way, it'll it'll probably be closer to thirty dollars. You know, it's not we're not gonna. You know, we we don't want people to have to break the bank. Our our whole plan with this is to is to have it feel premium premium enough to where you can really can sip it uh, straight, uh, but also not be so expensive that you feel bad if you're pouring it all over the bars or pouring shots. Which, you know what I mean? That's what the bar, bar bartender's got to be able to take the bottle. You know, I mean, our our favorite place we like to say our favorite place to see to see these bottles is in a pile of empty bottles of yeah. four walls, and it's a good looking bottle too. It is nice. Uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Still going strong. Yep. And then you got the podcast, which I believe is in the top ten in the podcast here. It has has been. I don't know if it's. I don't think it's still there. But uh, you know, it's it's it's, it's like good. you guys and Smartless kind of battling it out. I think sure up there. Let's, right? let's, yeah, yeah let's we'll, we'll call it that. And then me, I'm a little bit being lagging. What yeah. we're drinking with? Where you at? Where, 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 you know, I'm like the top. Let me try this. Ah. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's tough. It's whiskey, boy. Yeah. Woo-wee. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, be sure if you're if you're in the Kentucky area and you want to go to Bourbon Beyond, you'll get to go see the guys. You don't meet them. Don't Whatever you do, don't approach Clint. No. Don't, if you don't know him, don't I'll approach bite you. He I'll bite you. smack you down. Yeah. Uh, but uh, always great to see you, man. And, and, oh, and uh, Instagram is what? At, uh, I don't know. Glenn Howerton? Yeah, oh, well, my Instagram or Four yeah, Walls? Yours. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just Glenn Howard. Yeah, there's going to be, we'll be, we'll post some video on Glenn's uh, Instagram. I'm taking it over. Uh, always great to see you, my friend. Good to see you too, man. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.